Alrighty, folks. So um, I know this is a quick turnaround for us. Normally we're a couple days spread, but the James Harden trade happened, so we had to record yesterday, obviously. And today it's at large bid. It's um, already time to talk bracketology because oh my god, we're already less than two months away from Selection Sunday. Um, obviously Taylor and I are excited of the tournament, nothing like it for us. So we had to bring in a guest today. Uh, he is from Stadium. He is their bracketologist. He is the host of Blue Jay Banter. He has had me on Blue Jay Banter before, which had me following Anthony Tolliver. So I was like, who's the bigger name here, obviously? Just kidding. Uh, this is Tim Kruger, like I said, from Stadium, Blue Jay Banter. Tim, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. I know that this year predicting a bracket has to be one of the most unique because obviously everything's in one location. There's no worrying about travel. Um you're worrying about teams like North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky. Like, you know, Kentucky not even close to being a probably a tournament team right now. Duke and North Carolina, you know, in those lower seeds trying to make a name for themselves. And then on top of that, you have like some easiness, like the first three seeds. So talk to us a little bit. What is preparing a bracketology like right now with all the weirdness of 2020, 2021? Well, you touched on a couple points. The first one, it still sticks with me. So I'm doing my first bracket. And the usual way I do is get the whole seed list done. And then I go in and start, I usually put in the first four lines. Okay. And uh, to make sure, you know, you're following all the bracket procedures and so on and so forth. Once I get that done, then I put in the sites for those first four games, you know? And so I'm starting to put in, you know, I don't even know where they are this year, LA and all these. And I'm like, yeah. I get about the first line done. I'm like, wait a minute, there are no sites. This is going to be so incredibly easy. So, uh, yeah, it made that part so much easier because now you can basically do an S-curve all the way down. And, you know, the fourth team on the seed list can play the fifth and on and on and on. You don't have to worry about which region they're going to and right. so on and so forth. Uh, you know, the only thing you got to worry about is making sure that, you know, teams don't meet before the Sweet 16 in these conferences. And, look, that's a big challenge this year because the Big Ten could have as many as 12. Right. So you're going to have every region is going to have three. So it's crazy that way. The other thing uh, with COVID, uh, obviously, the variance in the number of games played is really tough. You know, Villanova, uh, I finally dropped them off my one line this week just because I finally said to myself, look, if this was a regular season and Michigan and Texas had better resumes, even though Villanova hadn't done anything to drop, you would still move them ahead of Villanova. So that's what I did. The third thing is uh, going through the resumes and the, uh, all the brackets and so forth. One thing I always look at is road wins and how they. I'm really not looking at that at all. I, I just don't. I, I that'll be the the toughest thing I think for bracketologists this year is how's the committee going to look at road wins? Are they going to put any value into them or very little or just some or a lot or you know how's it all going to work out because. I just don't think it's that tough to win on the road this year. I mean, we've seen it all over the place. It, it's just not that it's not the same. So I think that'll be one thing. Now uh, the metrics apparently are still uh, still the same as far as road wins. I mean, I don't think they've adjusted that at all yet. So it'll be interesting. Um, I do a podcast too, where I have different bracketologists over on and I plan to have some guys from the NCA on here shortly and find out from them, you know, what are they, how are they judging those road wins? 
Kind of to go off what you you were talking about Villanova, you know, not playing from I, I think it's December nineteenth to yeah. you know their upcoming yeah. game is in a couple of weeks or a couple of days. Um, do you like so many teams? I mean, it's very rare. There's more teams that haven't been on pause, or than honestly probably than have been. Looking at that, you know, you factor in the road wins and whatnot. How, what is the the exact number of games they have to play again to make the tournament? Thirteen. Um, just thirteen. Okay. 13, yeah. So thirteen, and obviously, you know. Some teams are at a disadvantages if you're in a bigger conference like the Big Ten or the ACC, even though the ACC doesn't have even one or two quality um, level teams compared to the Big Ten. Um, it's it's really going to be what, – what kind of things are you looking for? Is it the road wins, even though you're not valuing those as high, or for a team to kind of embrace themselves within the conference? Now you're talking about just the teams that are struggling with getting games in? Yeah, correct. Yeah. I'm just basically looking at, at – like I would any other year, I look at, uh, I use Warren Nolan for all my bracketology. So, I mean, his, his, his site duplicates. Uh, I was in the mock selection uh, one of the last years they had it. His site duplicates exactly what the committee looks at. So uh, I just look at Q1 wins, Q2 wins. Uh, you know, I don't really worry too much about the bad losses. Um, normal year, like you said, I would look at road wins. I look at them a little bit, but I just don't know that it's really worth it. I mean, you look at the good teams. You look at last night. I mean, is Texas Tech going to win that game at Texas with a big crowd? I don't know. I mean. Well, exactly what you're saying. Duke, a team that's, you know, fringe bubble line right now. Yeah. They lost to Illinois at home in Michigan State. And yeah. empty Cameron indoor yeah. is a lot, lot different compared oh, to, you know, when it's jam-packed. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's so many arenas like that. Um you know, Creighton's going into Butler. This is a team they've just struggled with. At, they, they can't win at Hunkle. They just have it now. This year, Butler's bad. But, I mean, how different would that game be with fans? I mean, right. I, you know, um, you know the North Carolina-Duke game, how, how, how weird is that going to be? You yeah. know, um, that's about as impassioned fan base for that game as any other game in the country. So, uh, but, no, I just look at the, the regulars. And, and you know, I, I maybe putting a little more focus on – Q1 and two, but more top 50 wins, you know, where, how did you do top 50? I don't care where you played them. How did you do? And who did you play? So I don't think my whole process is going to change a whole lot, but it is challenging because, you know, you'll see a team with uh, maybe a five and two record at Q1 and two. I was looking at one the other day. And then you look at Villanova and they've hardly played any games at, on Q1 and two. So that, that part of it's a little bit difficult. You know, Villanova's actually played three games in Q1 and none in Q2. So they're kind of top heavy on Q3 and four. They played six games. So really <laughs> their strength of schedule is at 177. It keeps going down because they haven't right. played any games, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the big one. Cause I actually, right now I'm not looking too good. I picked Villanova to win the national title. So. Well, uh, still could. Yeah. yeah. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with they, this is interesting. Villanova is an interesting case here. So. The Big East decided, hey, let's jam some games in December and get as many played as we can right off the get-go. So they played yeah, four dead. to five. So that was great. Then Villanova decides, you know, we played a lot of games. We're gonna we're gonna push this. I think it was St. John's. They pushed back so they could have a long break around Christmas. Well, they're probably killing themselves now for doing that. You know, they they you know it's a game they probably could have played. So now. You know, they just added that because the Big East did a great job then of giving teams gaps later on in the season. Well, now Villanova is going to be stacked. I mean, they're they're talking if they want to get all their games and they're going to have to play every other night for a while. 
Uh, and that's going to be a real test to their depth. Now, look, I, I really, and, you know, they haven't played many games, so you really haven't had a good chance to really take a look at them. They do, they do have a lot of younger, excellent talent because they've had some great recruiting classes on that bench. But, you know, those kids haven't played. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's all going to be a mystery. We'll, we'll see how it goes. And the bad part of Villanova is not like they can roll the ball out there against some, you know, by games to start out. They're going to be right. right into the conference. All right. Speaking of uh, kind of, I know they're getting Brian Antoine back and exactly what you're saying, you know, right in the middle of the big East, which has been a pretty competitive conference this year, um, kind of shifting the focus to obviously one thing that gets teams in the tournament is winning their own conference tournament. Some teams can boost their resume if they're on that bubble for engine line by winning one or two games in the conference tournament and kind of solidifying their spot. Do you think, obviously, you know, all, rumors and whatnot do you think a lot of teams will like opt out of the conference tournament to if they're secured in the ncaa tournament or do you think because I, I my biggest fear is uh, talking with friends or colleagues whatever is the conference tournament being the thing that delays the ncaa tournament or causes COVID issues just from it, it's such a unique time period i guess that that's one of my worrisomes i guess no that's a great point taylor uh that was just brought up here locally the other day like somebody said why why should we even have conference mm-hmm. tournaments this year? Why why ship these kids all around the country? My counter to that was, uh, for instance, let's take the Big East. Okay, so you're you're in, you know, last time I was in New York is when COVID broke. Okay, same. The the, the 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 tournament got canceled, and you know I felt much more comfortable being in Madison Square Garden than I did walking around the streets of New York, <laughs> and. And I kind of thought of that and they're like, well, you know, the hallways are kind of small back there and they got to kind of share locker rooms. I go, uh, I'm pretty sure they would do a pretty good job of, you know, the kids are just going to go from the arena to the bus to the hotel. There's not going to be fans. So they're not going to, you know, the whole fan base isn't going to be there and all that. They go right to the rooms. I, I don't see any difference in that. They were saying, well, you could use that week to make up games that you miss, but okay, well, then you're going to travel on the road anyway, perhaps. Right. And what's the difference, really? I, I know you're going to be in one place for a while. I know you're going to be, you know, kind of communing with a, maybe a, 10 other teams. Uh, I I don't know. I, I, I'm i kind of both sides of it. Um, right. I hope they don't cancel the conference tournaments. I think it's it would really it would really hurt some teams, like, chances to get in, mm-hmm. um, frankly. And you know, you can take the regular season champion. Now that's going to help the mid-major part of it, right? Correct. You're going to get your best team in there. Um, I, you know, I hope they have the tournaments because, you know, it's just such a great week. Right. Now, piggybacking off that, if you notice when the NCAA came out with the announcement that they're going to Indianapolis, you notice they said selection Sunday's on this date, the final four is on this date. They gave no other right. days. That tells me, they're really flexible. And what I'm hearing is they're going to get those teams in as quickly as possible. Uh, probably those play-in teams are going to try and get them in Sunday night. Uh, everybody else at the you know, least will be in Monday. They're going to test the heck out of everybody. Get them in the hope, you know, get them. They've got a great bubble set up there in Indy where the hotels are all connected to the civic center and they can practice there. And then they go to the different games and they're, you know, they just get on a bus I think it's people are making a deal out of that. Like, well, there's right. games in West Lafayette. Well, they're, they're going to get on a bus. They're going to drive into the arena. They're going to get out. I mean, right. There's, exactly. There's real little, there's very little chance. <laughs> a lot less chance of walking around campus. Let's put it that way. Right. And so um, 
So my what I'm hearing what's going to happen is they're going to do those play-in games on a Friday. That would normally be the second day of the NCAA tournament. Oh, now, this is kind of a plan that they're thinking about. Yeah. Then they would start the NCAA tournament, the regular tournament on Saturday. Wow. Okay. Go Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Now, my first thought of that was, oh, all around the country, people are going to be like, hey, you know that Thursday I was taking off? Well, I'm going to take <laughs> off Monday now, the following. Yeah, I already put yeah, my day off. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, I have to. I was, I, like, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> now, one thing I thought of, though, that that's if you think about it, you know, those Saturday, Sunday games, they usually play one at like noon. They only have one game. Right. And then sometimes they'll just have one game in the next segment at two. And then the triple headers start at like four and six. So if they did that on Monday, Tuesday, hey, it wouldn't be bad if you couldn't get the day off. You're going to be able to see most of the games anyway. Um, and the fact most people are working from home anyway, people would love it. But right. uh, anyway, they'll go to Tuesday. Then they'll pause, figure it out. You know, hey, how's everything going? Is it going okay? There's there's a couple scenarios there. They could then turn right around and play Wednesday, Thursday. That's kind of what you're saying is, I mean, usually, A, the, the people who take off is for that the Thursday, Friday. Once you get to the Sweet 16 or, you know, even further yeah. down, obviously the games are at night. It's, you know, 6 right. o'clock, 8 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock. So well, they can go right away, right away Thursday, Friday, or Wednesday, Thursday, or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, then take Friday off and then have the final four. So they would could, mm-hmm. they would throw a week out of there so everybody wasn't around. Okay, great, you know, but think about it. When you get down to four teams, there's only four teams that are going to have to stay a week. So it's not as bad. I don't know. So I think, but they, I think I like that plan that, you know, you bring them all in, test them, make sure everybody's okay. Then I think it would be okay for them to go play conference tournament. Right. You know? It's a good idea. Yeah, I like the idea a lot, actually. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about what's going on on the court. Um, I know, obviously, we've talked about, you know, the worry about games and, you know, being in this situation where they're playing in this one controlled location. They're not calling it a bubble. It's a controlled location, as they keep referencing. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, you had Villanova's or two just because they haven't played enough games. And really, you're starting to see a lot of teams kind of making that case for being one of those upper echelon one-seated teams. Now, look, Gonzaga, you know, obviously, I don't think anyone's, you know, taking that away from them, especially with their conference. Uh, Texas has obviously had a great start. I know they just lost last night. Um, you know, Michigan's been outstanding. They've been so good. And, you know, you're seeing other teams, you know, Baylor obviously being, you know, the second team in the country. Um, how many teams would you say right now are making a case to have a potential one seed in this NCAA tournament? I think Gonzaga clear one, Baylor yeah. clear two. Then I think right now, well, before last night, Michigan, Texas were probably, and Villanova were probably the three, four, five, put them in whatever order you want. I think it's those five, and, and look, it's not fair to just throw Villanova. I mean, we got to see them play some more games, right? Uh, and then probably Iowa, I would think, would be the one I would kind of look at. Um you know, there's there's some teams that that I think very well could get to that top line, but every time I think that, for instance, a team that pops in my head is Illinois. Gosh, I saw them earlier and I thought, wow, this team, this team's going to be a load to handle. They got the point guard, they got the big guy, they got this is this is NCAA Final Four team, and then they just inexplicably lose to Maryland. You know, and then, not that Maryland's a chump, but it's a game if you're going to be a top four seed, you got to handle that game at home. And I think there's been some other teams like that too. We don't really don't know how good Clemson is. Uh, their resume looks really good. 
Um, we just don't know how good they are. We, I don't, I think they, I think we're still kind of out on Tennessee yet, although I think they're really good. They're, I think they're probably a team, Tennessee, Iowa, I would say were the two. If you had a sleeper in the country, uh, probably Houston. Yeah. Um, they're really good. Yeah. They got a good resume. They played a good non-conference and I think they're really being helped too. Uh, Wichita is much better than people thought they'd be. So I think they're going to be helped by, you know, having a little better quality team in their conference. Um, they're kind of hurt this year, but obviously by having UConn not in their conference, really. That, that Cincinnati's kind of down this year too. Yeah, Cincinnati. So. Great point. Cincinnati's yeah, down. They're fun to watch. They're fun to cover. <laughs> uh, Tulsa, I would have said Tulsa, but then they just got whipped by Wichita State the other night. So, uh, but they'd be, they'd be a team maybe on the outside. And then I think you've got, you know, teams I don't think are going to challenge for the one necessary. Look, you've got a team like Colorado could run the Pac-12 and get get a one seed. Um, Tech, we talked about Texas Tech now. You know, gosh, that was a pretty darn good win last night. And then I think Wisconsin is a team I had on the one line just a couple weeks ago. Um, and then they just get smoked the other night. Uh, that kind I, of- I thought I read the screen wrong. It was like a 35 to three yeah. run. I was like, yeah. excuse me? Like, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, I turned that game on for like five minutes. I think of the Big Ten teams, I've probably seen them the most. And gosh, it's just a regular Greg Gard team. I mean, they're just, they can rock fight you to death, but they can score too. And, and mm-hmm. uh, they're a team. And then I think the team I cover, Creighton, obviously, if they were to beat Villanova twice, you would certainly have to consider them in line. Um, problem with Creighton is they just really got screwed by the COVID deal. They, they went on a pause right before they started that thanksgiving tournament and they were set up to have a great tournament up in sioux falls west virginia memphis ohio state was supposed to be there they backed out so that cost them a couple of big games um you know losing by a point to kansas that would have been a huge win on their resume and then if we'd had a regular season rumor had it they were supposed to play iowa in the gavit games i mean what a game that would be awesome Right. 120 to 118 <laughs> so uh nba game so they got kind of got really Rooked by that, but you know, as long as they keep winning, and you know, even if they split with Villanova, they're going to be a top on the top four line. But to, I think to win, to get considered to go all the way to the one line, they would have to. I don't know if they had to win out, but they'd have to win almost all their games, and then probably at least get to the finals of the Big East tournament. Is it a, is it true that for Xavier's tournament games, they're going to only play like the last four seconds, and it's going to be a two point game every time? I heard that rumor that, you know, that's where they succeed the most. So that's, that's a good point. The other team that would be probably in, in the field easily, if we could just play 35 minutes would be Georgetown. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) They seem to have the lead with five minutes to go in every game they play. Uh, Yeah. Villanova's, uh, or excuse me, Xavier, uh, they're a little light in the Q1, Q2. I mean, they, they really haven't played. They've only played, they've only beaten one top 50 team. So that's, that's kind of a wow. downer on their schedule. And the, the other top 100s they beat are Cincinnati, Marquette, Toledo. I still think Marquette, they're the other puzzling one to me. Yeah, they're you know, confusing. They and early and man, that Garcia kid is something else. It's been fun to watch. I, I think they're really good. I think, you know, I think Wojo feels kind of freed not having to, yeah howard has 40 shots a game you know it's like it's like it's like he can actually coach now and a regular you know offense and defense and i I just 
man, I'm surprised they haven't done better. Now they got a win last the other night, but uh, their team, I would, gosh, I would look, I would not want to play them, let's say in the Big East tournament or anything like that. But at any rate, th those are the teams, you know, they, they got beat pretty bad by Seton Hall. Um, so they had the one win to Oklahoma and Oklahoma is a bubble team. So anyway, they're, they're going to have to do some work. I think they're, as long as they beat everybody from, you know, the fourth place team in the Big East down, I think they'll be fine as far as making the tournament because they played a lot of games, you know, they played 12 games. So they're sitting good in that spot. Well, I saw that you had them in a region where their first game would be Oklahoma State. If they somehow win that one, they're playing Gonzaga. So apparently you're just like, have it against them because you want them to play the top two picks in the NBA draft. So can so, you confirm? You know, I get that a lot. Like <laughs> The other day somebody's like, oh, I can't believe it. You put Duke and North Carolina in the same bracket. And I'm like, dude, to be honest with you, I had no idea I did that. Like, like people <laughs> think like, the, you know, the committee, they think the committee sets up these matchups. I'm telling you, it just works out that way. It really does. They don't do it on purpose. They don't do it for TV. It just works out that way. And, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll get done with my bracket and go, oh, wow, Louisville and Kentucky could meet in the second game, you know, on my bracket. I didn't know what I was doing. And I don't, it's not anything I pay attention to. I'm just following the procedures to make sure everybody fits. And I don't have, you know, matchups in the first game and so on and so forth. Yeah, I'm looking at, I mean, kind of looking at the, the latest one you came out with that was at yesterday, the 13th. Yeah, Monday, uh, Monday, Monday. Usually, they usually uh, hit on Mondays. Um, once we hit, um, once we hit the 1st of February, then we'll, we'll go two days, we'll two times, okay. we'll go Friday and Monday and Friday. And then before, you know, the week is running up the tournament, we'll pretty much update them every day. But One of my favorite things to do is kind of just look for those teams that can make a, like an upset or a sweet 16 run or something like that. A team I really like that's been really good. I think they're undefeated still. Um, they were supposed to play Loyola uh, Sunday, Monday is Drake. They've been, yeah. I've been love watching them, their games. Um, having you having them as a 10 seed right now up against Florida state who shot the lights out last night against NC state. Um, I think that could be a fun matchup. And they're, they're a team I like that could, um, you know, make a run to the sweet 16. Is there any other teams that kind of, when you're putting them in, you're like, Mount, maybe they could get hot and make a nice run, maybe like a mid-major team. Well, I think I, I saw Western Kentucky early on and I thought, I thought I was pretty impressed with them. Um, but they haven't, you know, they've lost some games they probably shouldn't have, but you mentioned Drake. So uh, yeah, I kind of follow them pretty close. Uh, Creighton's longtime assistant, Darren DeVries, is the head coach there. In mm -hmm. fact, uh, two years ago, I think it was, I went over, uh, you know, and Creighton used to be in the Valley, so it's kind of like nostalgic to go over there. And right. I ran into it, but they're playing Indiana State, and I run into the beat writer for Indiana State. He's like, what the hell are you doing here, you know? And it's like, uh, uh, so I went over and did a whole story on him. And, and um, in fact, he, uh, the golf club I, I'm at, I ran into him this summer. A guy brought him out to play in an event out there, and we were talking. It was right after uh, Robbins left and went to right. Minnesota. So you you think about that. Had they been able to keep that kid, my God, this would be a top 20 team. Easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, 15 and legitimate. You know, I have a 10 seed. They're 10 in the net. Right. Um, which kind of is a head scratcher because they haven't played a one or a Q, two Q game. And you kind of think, how could you possibly be that high in the net and not have played anybody? It's not their fault, really. I mean, they didn't schedule anybody in the non-conference, but, you know, their, their conference. Now, yeah, like you said, I was looking forward to that Sunday-Monday game, and then all of a sudden it got canceled because they're playing back-to-backs in the Valley. So that would have probably, you know, I, I was saying last week, 
had Drake beat Loyola twice? That I mean, the conference had to be ranked. Might yeah. have been over. Well, the conference right. race might have been over because they would be six and zero oh, having beat Loyola, done with Loyola, and beaten them twice. I mean, right. wow. They beat uh, the Southern Illinois. Got a pretty decent team this year, and they just pounded them two nights in a row. And yeah, they're. They are fun to watch. They really shoot it. Um, you can tell he's taken a lot of things from uh, Creighton's offense and worked it into his offense. Uh, but I was in Drake, Western Kentucky. And I, I think, look, I think Loyola, I think either one of those teams could could get an at-large, depending mm-hmm. on how things shake out. You know, we have that extra at-large this year because the Ivy League isn't playing. Oh, yeah, correct. I thought, I thought this would have been the perfect year since they had that extra bid to do this. And this is what I would like to see them do is say, if a team not in the power six is not an automatic, you know, is not seated in the top, say 45. Okay. The best at large team from all the rest of the conferences gets an, gets a bid. I like that. I do too. Now here's the problem with that. Pretty soon we'd do that, and every year it'd be an A10 or a Mountain West team. You know, and then we'd be right back to where we were. In yeah, right. Rhode Island or Dayton. Or... Chance. We're not giving, you know. So, but that, I thought this year would have been the perfect opportunity for them to say, hey, we're going to put this bid over here. But again, as uh, I think it was Gary Parrish mentioned to me, look, the big, the big boys are running it, and they're not going to let, you're going to have to throw some more bones at the big boys. And Maybe uh, maybe expand the tournament to seventy two teams and move the play-ins to Monday of those sixteen seeds, and then the play-ins you have in Dayton just have eight, you know, at-large teams playing each other off or something. I think that would add a lot of interest too. Yeah, one of the uh, mid-major teams that you had right now, you have them as a twelve playing against um, playing against Virginia Tech is Furman. I saw them play earlier this year in person against Cincinnati. And I was blown away how fun of a team they were to watch. They are very much on my radar. Um, yeah, they're inching up on my board as the, on the um, you know first four and second four outs. Yeah, I, I see their name and I just think, here's what's going to happen. They're going to lose in their conference tournament. And we're going to yep. get selection Sunday and we're going to go, what? No, well, you know, they were close, but we just didn't feel they played a quality enough schedule. Uh, you know, I can just hear it already. It's going right. to happen. I think everybody wants to see those teams make it. Um, everybody except the power six teams who are in the tournament, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, they're a very good team. And, and uh, I hope they keep winning and winning, you know, that Southern conference has turned into be a real, a really good conference. It is. Yeah. It's kind of taken over the Valley and even some years, the a 10 and even some years, the mountain West is really like the premier uh, mid-major conference. Yeah, I'm a big, obviously, as you can see behind me, I'm a big North Carolina fan. Um, Wes Miller is obviously played in North Carolina. He's a guy that I kind of, I'm circling every time. Like, that's who I want to eventually take over the program. Obviously, I think, like, there needs to be a step in between UNC Greensboro and North Carolina maybe to show some success. But I love the system he runs there. And kind of what you're saying, it, it is a very competitive league when you, amount of good teams that are in there and the level of basketball they play with Wofford and other teams like that that have shown to have some tournament success as well. Um, I another team, oh, sorry, ago, I think it was two years ago, wasn't it? That I think there was three teams on my board from the Southern Con. I mean, legitimately, like I was looking at them hard to give them an at large, you know? Yeah, Furman beat Villanova a couple of years ago in a regular season game. 
Yeah. It's like yeah. Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State, Wofford yes. beat Seton Hall yeah. that one year to play Kentucky yeah. in the second round. Like they were, that was a really competitive league that year and conference tournament was fun to watch. And lastly, on the kind of the mid major slash sleeper teams, Boise State, I mean, this is one of their best teams program history. I watched a little bit of their game the other night. They were, I mean, they were fantastic. They're their team that I could see matched up with St. Louis and another team that's kind of, yeah. Some of the, van, the common van might not realize is having a pretty good year this year as well. COVID hitting St. Louis hard. You Correct. Know, they haven't played in a while. Um, yeah, I would have liked to see St. Louis win that Minnesota game. That's I'm worried that that could, you know, if they lose a few games in the A-10, that could come back to haunt them to get in. Uh, Boise State, yeah, I just, I just think it goes through San Diego, though. Right. I mean, gosh, they look really good early, too. Um, and they've lot, they've stumbled a little bit lately, but I still think when the money's, the money's on the line, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Dutcher and his crew. I, I just think, I just think they're the team to beat. Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, it'd, it'd be fun. And some of those games too, would been a real blast in that conference too, with fans, you know, Boise state with a, with a good team and their, their place gets rocking. And, uh, yeah, that, that's a shame too. Good league, good league this year though. Utah state's not bad. Uh, so they've got. And and I think the WCC is pretty good this year. Although, right, does it matter? Not BYU was good until you know they just get whomped by Gonzaga. Uh, yeah, so it doesn't. You know, I thought, gosh, in a normal year, I would have loved to see you know the game at Provo, and then the game at St. Mary's. Um, right. Even San Francisco is not not a chump. So those games on the road would have been fun. I think now they're just going to roll through the season. Yeah, I agree. Speaking- of Gonzaga, um, I, obviously a, a lot of discussion is Gonzaga's already got the number one overall seed wrapped up. Do you see any way that if Baylor doesn't, you know, run the table, maybe losing one or two games in the Big 12 or wins the Big 12 tournament, that they could maybe jump them on the one line, especially with playing teams like Kansas or Texas as you have another n- number one seed? Yeah, I, I could see it happening if Baylor runs together. You know, if they beat Kansas twice and you beat Texas and Texas Tech and West right. Virginia, you know, that, those are some real quality wins. And uh, Gonzaga stumbles to somebody. Right. Well, I know they're trying to work them playing each other again. That was obviously yeah, scheduled. Yeah, we, we didn't see that. That would have been a great that game. Would have kind of, that would have been Baylor's big chance, you know, right. to, to get that one seed. Uh, he, you know, here's what I caution people, though. I've seen this happen – Way back, this is way back when UNLV probably two. You guys are too young. UNLV was just like Gonzaga. I mean, nobody was even coming close to them. Uh, they had won the year before. They were just rolling through the tournament, you know, rolling through the season, and then boom, you know, they get upset. Um, I could see like Gonzaga going into the thing undefeated, and then maybe an eight seed, you know, a. A, a, a power league team mm-hmm. that finished maybe fourth in their league, maybe in the big 10 at the right time six, right. in the case of the big 10, maybe, you know, that's seasoned played a lot of really tough games. You know, Gonzaga's rolling in there. Hadn't really been challenged for how many weeks and uh, maybe just had an off shooting night. And the other team is, has a physicality to match up with them. And I could see them going out early. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't pencil them into the final four. I think they're the best team. Mm-hmm. But because they don't play, and no fault of their own, a competitive schedule, and that league is, you know, that league is lifted up quite a bit here over the last mm. few years. Uh, but but they don't play it night in and night out. That that always sits out there as a possibility to me. Yeah, I, I've come with the idea that I think that they should just like put a petition into the NCAA to get a shitty football team 
just so we can put him in the Pac-12 and at least have like some sort of competition. Like, yeah, well, yeah, we're a football team. They suck, we know, but we have our basketball team here, and they could probably win the conference still year in and year out, but they'll play better teams. I'm like, sign me up for that. You know, give yeah, me that. I, you know, they would be in the Big East, except they're in Spokane. I mean, yeah. even made a play, for, you know, took it under heavy consideration. Like, let's pull Gonzaga in here. Now we, now we got a real league here. And it's just, you know, the East Coast team said, no way, we're not traveling. Yeah, it might be different if you had two teams out there where you could do a travel partner thing, but. Yeah, like the Horizon League does that. I mean, they're already, years. They're already bitching about having to go to Omaha, so. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where we're located, we obviously have to talk about the Kentucky schools. And sure. I, know, I know that your partner in crime, your, your, your co-worker, Jeff Goodman, um, his Kentucky fans just love him, obviously. We know this very well. But, um, you know, obviously, look, we know what their record is. And, you know, we saw what happened the other night when they had Alabama at home. Um, you know, it doesn't look like it's very good for this team. It looks like it's one of those years this one and done thing doesn't work out for them. Is there any possibility you could see this team getting hot and potentially making a bubble or that large bid or anything to potentially get in this tournament? Or the other night I had them in, in my first four out, I think. I think for a second four out. I mean, they were they were getting close because had they beat Alabama, they'd have been they'd have been in the field because they would have been the AQ at that point. Yeah, um, right. I think there's still time, but boy, uh, look, Alabama's good. Um, yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't look. Um, gosh, how can I say this to be kind? Look, he, um, no, <laughs> it, it's he's he hasn't. I mean, the the rumblings you hear is he just hasn't recruited he probably hasn't worked as hard at recruiting as he had in the past and that the recruits aren't as high a level even though they may have had the five star and the ranking behind him, they're not the high level guys he's gotten in before um and this is the part where i'm trying to be very sensitive uh they got a guy that's starting for him davion mince okay transferred from creighton i know him very well from big east coverage i mean you saw him in the big east i mean Look, super kid, great kid. I was so I felt so bad for him last year when you heard, you know, you could just see it in his face at media day. He knew he was going to be out for a while, and it would really pain him because he'd never really been injured before. And but I mean, you saw him play in the league. I mean, gosh, average at best, and he's starting at Kentucky. I mean, let that sink in for a minute. I mean, and look, he's played well. I just don't. You know, he's just, you know, some people said, oh, he's going to come in and be our point guard. I go, man, he's not a point guard, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing at Creighton. He got kind of shoved into that role because of some injuries. And, you know, look, he'd been a nice, valuable piece to have for Creighton this year to come off the bench. But, um, you know, he's played well for Kentucky. I, I just, the guys around him, really, they just can't make shots. Yeah. And, and kind of piggybacking off that, Olivier Saar is a guy that, you know, came from the, like, from Wake Forest and when it was announced that he was transferring, they acted like, you know, he was the missing piece that he, he gets them to, you know, that raise the banner. And it's like, I watched him at Wake Forest. Like his numbers were good, but he can put up 18 and 12, but when they're down by 30, like, <laughs> I don't know how much of an impact he's really having. Like uh, it yeah. just, you know, maybe Kentucky's one of those schools that's maybe better off not dabbling in the transfer market, you know, just, just reload every year. It's, you know? you know, it's funny. I'm Carolina's dabbled in it last year with Christian Keeling and Justin Pearson. 
I have my opinions on going after guys from if, if North Carolina is going to dabble in that market or any North Carolina, Kentucky or schools like that, they need to get guys from proven programs um, going a lower conference and having them adjust to an ACC or an SEC just seems like a nightmare to yeah. throw into it. Um, Cam Johnson's a guy that sticks out. He came from Pittsburgh that had a great two years in Carolina, but. Taylor, I'd just ask you a question just from my own personal interest, a kid that we recruited hard and we were, we were in the lead on for quite a while. The Walton kid, how's he doing at UNC? Kerwin Walton? Oh, he's he's actually – he's our best shooter for Carolina this year. He – um he the Kentucky game was really like a, a – light, like the light bulb went off. He hit four or five threes that game, and then they inserted him in the starting lineup just because Caleb Love and R.J. Davis have been atrocious shooting the ball. Yeah. Um, and they need a guy that can separate the floor. Carolina's got, I mean, arguably one of the best front courts in the country with Brooks, Baycott, Kessler, and Sharp. But – Walton's been tremendous. I, I mean, he plays so poised. Um, I was actually surprised we got him because, like you were saying, Creighton and Minnesota were kind of the rumblings you were hearing yeah. for a while. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he, his game is – he just looks so poised up there where when he catches it, he, he always makes the right pass. Or he, he I kind of want him to shoot more. Um, the guards have been so bad that he usually has to shoot one or two threes that are kind of off balance or it just forces it up yeah. at the end of the shot clock. But, overall, I've been – he's been my favorite freshman to watch, honestly, on the yeah. team. So, He's the lowest ranked one. You're in on another. Uh, you're in on an Omaha kid pretty heavily. Hunter Salas, like yeah, in the country. So I think it's North Carolina, Kentucky. Now Gonzaga offered. So now everybody's talking about that. Yeah, the possibility him and a big one here. And I think probably Creighton. Probably those five are probably where he's sitting right now. But I don't yeah. think he's really Creighton. He's a he's a big lights kid. So if Caleb if, is bigger, <laughs> right? If Caleb Love was playing better and you, you know where he was at beginning of the year and the lottery and late first round picks I could see us maybe getting involved more but I'm with you I think the Gonzaga rumblings with maybe going to pair with uh the kid from Minnesota Chet Holmgren might be a little too especially with how well Gonzaga's playing this year being <laughs> like, a Minnesota I, native can I say something I, sure. I'm always doing this. if they would get somebody up there to close the borders they'd be on <laughs> the real Tyus and Trey Jones Gary Trent Jr. every year right Think of all the players that have flown out of there, you know. Back when I was younger, I mean, they did kind of close the borders, you know, with McHale and people like, you know, then they had really good teams, but they just can't seem to keep kids. They, they Not even not even close the border. Just don't let them go to Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin <laughs> had more players than uh, – well, I mean, look, they've lost a lot of high-level guys to do right. Carolina and so forth, but the Walton's another perfect example. Look, what if he was on their team this year? Mar- um, Marcus Carr would be – My goodness, that would be something. Such a Louisville real quick too, because obviously like, you know, I, I have a lot of love for Chris. Um, I, I think, you know, he's doing a really good job with everything he's dealt with this at that program, taking over what he had to for Patino and everything. But, you know, you have them right now as a five and I think that's fair, but I also feel like they're that team that's not too far from like they're five right now, but I could definitely see a case where they're like a nine next week. Like, how do you judge a team like that? Who's been so, yes, they're nine and one, you know, they have David Johnson who's a good player. Their one loss is Wisconsin where they got smoked um, and they're winning so far in the ACC, but like, you know, it's not like they're winning very impressively. Is that a thing where you kind of, you said you don't really care about bad losses, but are no. you looking at these wins and going like, I don't know. Like, do you think that five point is where they should be at the moment? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I, I rarely do a lot of uh, do a lot of eye test when I'm doing this. But this year, I've had to a little bit, you know, a little bit yeah. of projection actually, just because you know the season's so crazy. I actually think the opposite. I I I had Louisville in a two three line for quite a, quite some time when my bracket first came out and didn't move them. 
the Wisconsin loss dropped him a little more. Um, but then I looked at the resume that looks very similar really to Xavier's really. Yeah. You know, they've had the one, you know, they really, they had the nice win against Virginia tech. Other than that, you know, they beat Seton hall, they beat Pittsburgh, you know, and then, and then nobody else. So uh, I don't think we're going to know a lot about them until they get more into the ACC and play Carolina Duke and so forth and Clemson. I say they got five big ones coming up, you know, yeah. Florida state, Duke, Syracuse, Virginia, Virginia tech, Florida state's team. Nobody's talking about just, I know they're good forever. And then, you know, nobody's giving them credit for that win over Florida because of everything that happened during the game. So yeah, but you know, Leonard's usually the guy that gets a three seed, then goes out in the first round every year. All right. I, you know, I was talking to my dad about that every year. I sell myself on Florida state. I see the bracket. I'm like, they're so athletic. They got NBA guys and exactly right. Second round, you turn on the TV, they're down 15 with like three minutes left. You're like, how did this happen? Yeah. So, yep. It's every year. So mm -hmm. I've kind of tempered myself there, but then I looked at, you know, their team, I looked at their schedule. I looked at what they've done so far. I'm like, well, you know, got to put them in there fairly decent. Yeah, I, I really, I'm excited to see, cause I think he's getting better there. Like, so, you know, they've got talent and, you know, right. I was just kind of, I see your point for sure. Um, but I was kind of just, looking at them and like I said this stretch coming up to be big for them um we have some close ties obviously where we live to West Virginia and obviously Sean McNeil is a big part of their team they're a team to me that feels like they could really like make a ton of noise they have a ton of shooting they have tons of athletes like Miles McBride's a really good player how do you feel like judging a team like that like you've had them you know you've had them a few different spots so far in your bracket but oh, yeah I feel like they're definitely a team that, like, in the right situation, could definitely be a Final Four team. They were they were close to being a one seed there at one point. Um, you know, boy, they've got tremendous strength of schedule. That's going to yeah. help them when it comes to seeding. They are they're going to really. I'm curious when that you know that uh, 16 reveal comes out when they reveal the top four lines. The committee does. Yeah, you know, if Virginia keeps going along. Uh, they're getting to the point now. You know, it's. Four loss, they're nine and four. They played 13 games, which is a lot more games than a lot of people have played. You know, the good thing too, they didn't really their worst, their worst opponent this year is Iowa State. Yeah. Think about that. That's you know, that's a really good schedule. Uh and they beat, you know, they beat a good Richmond team. They beat West Kentucky. They beat VCU, you know, they beat they Oklahoma had, State. Like and Texas, they they're yeah, they're down 18 against Tech, Oklahoma State in the second half and came back yes. and won. And then yes. on the opposite, they let a game against yeah. Texas slip through the wickets, you know, last Three weekend. In but... the Big 12, they're gonna have plenty of opportunities. You know? <laughs> right. So if, if they can if they can get some of those on the way back, you know, get a Kansas, get a Texas, uh, maybe beat Oklahoma State twice, that would really look good in their resume. Uh then then I think, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. They would uh, they'd be a team I would not want to see. Yeah, let's let's temper this a little bit let you know depending on how they would go through the season but i if i were like a five seed on the bracket man i wouldn't want to see them as a four seed Ooh. agreed yeah i'm with you um tell you got anything you want to touch on real quick no i'm good awesome well tim this was great thank you so much for giving us some time today um before Absolutely. we get time guys appreciate it before we get you out of here, please take some moment, take a moment here to kind of shout out where people can find you on your social medias, your podcast, your work, your brackets. Uh, the floor is yours, my man. All right. So, yeah, go to stadium, stadium.com. You'll see all my brackets. They'll come up every Monday. They do a great job there. The bracket, I think, is as sharp as any bracket out there. Uh, and then uh, at TK Brackets on Twitter, that's where you'll find me there. Great time to go on is Monday after that bracket's posted. 
you get everybody out of the woodwork. What do you mean you don't have Iona in there? (laughs) And, uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then we do a podcast this year. So uh, it's called Bracketology with TK Brackets. Uh, That usually drops on Wednesdays. Um, We've had a lot of national guys. We've had a lot of bracketologists. We plan on, uh, you know, getting uh, David Warlock, who's with the NCA, who was in the committee room every, gosh, I don't know how many years he's been in that room. So I plan to have him on very soon to like talk about the, you know, the whole inner workings of it. And maybe a little bit of last year. I'm kind of curious last year, like, right. at what point did they just, you know, fold up their laptops and walk out? You know, it's kind of, kind of a weird situation. Uh, we're going to have uh, hopefully uh, Bruce Rasmussen, who's the athletic director at Creighton, but he was the committee chair a few years ago get to get some feedback so we're kind of making it very bracket oriented um kind of we kind of touch on some brackets uh i usually break down my bracket on the podcast and then we usually have a guest to talk about it or bring on a bracketologist i've got some more guys uh lined up to bring on so so make sure and give that a listen while we've already had lenardi de Corsi on so check those guys out. they're all on you can go to stadium uh.com and see the a link to see all the podcasts Perfect. Well, Tim, thank you. Best of luck the rest of the year with your bracketology. I know obviously in a crazy year like this, everything's going to change. So we're keeping an eye on it. And I'm sure hopefully we can have you on right before the tournament again. So I'd love to do it guys. Anytime. Perfect. I appreciate it, Tim. All right. Thanks guys. Have a good night, everyone.